not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So while it's good to talk about serious things, it's just as important and just as American to have some fun. Now, let's have some fun. All right, Biden wins. And what does that mean moving forward? In today's episode, we're going to talk about how Biden was able to pull off this presidential race and what that means and uh, kind of break it down a little bit more to figure out exactly how he did it. Um, I am Brian. And I'm Eric. And this is Leaning Middle. How's it going? It's what a week that it's been. I think it, <laughs> it feels like Tuesday part five for most of yeah. America right now. Yeah. Which well, is and... uh, which is great considering this is the year that brought us April that lasted six months. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and speaking of which, uh, I think we should, we typically try to put out several episodes uh, weekly. And uh, if you'll notice, we've been off for a while. And that's because I've been trying to recover from COVID. And then you had uh, some illnesses as well. So we're kind of getting our legs back underneath us. But I was laying in bed throughout this whole thing going, oh, we need to be doing an episode or two. And then uh, every time I'd pick up the phone to try and call you, um, it would be uh, very difficult for me to to get that going. Yeah, no, exactly. It has been. Plus, you know, on top of you battling COVID and me kind of getting over the uh, the bronchitis I've had, it's been um, there's just been so much going on that it's it almost gets difficult to just nail down a single topic to talk about. You know, the week leading up to the election, it was just like issue after issue after issue and things weren't really impacting um, kind of the layout of the playing field. And um, but wow, you know, after after Tuesday night in the last week, uh, we sure do have a lot to look at and discuss. Yeah. And, and that's what I was thinking as well was. Uh, what exactly are we going to talk about that hasn't been talked to death in the last couple of couple of days? Um, and, and that's been been interesting because for someone who follows politics, I just got to the point where I was was kind of done with it. Yeah, so no, absolutely. All right. Is that Loki chewing on a, a rubber bone there? Oh, yes, it is. Let me stop him from doing that. <laughs> oh, no, you're, you're good. Loki is a, what kind of dog? He is a corgi who corgi. is uh, hanging out for the recording currently. <laughs> that works. Um, okay, so Biden wins, and there's a lot of people who are uh, extremely excited about this. And and see, you got Loki in there with you, and I've got my cat in here with me. I was gonna say, I hear the cat meowing now. Yeah, animals are a big uh, big theme today. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so Biden wins, and uh, one of the things about this election is, for the first time in a while, um, you didn't know the night of election what who won, and exactly. for a lot for a lot of people, that was very disturbing uh for some people it it was to be expected um but 
One of the things that there, and there's several reasons for this, but one of the biggest topics, one of the most probably discussed topics right now is the mail-in ballots. And there's a lot of confusion about what's legal, what's not legal, how the mail-in ballots work, why did we do mail-in ballots? And this is actually a subject that you are very familiar with, with your work in campaigning. Yes, absolutely. And I can understand the frustration, you know, I think um, it, there was a lot of people who went into election night, you know, you had the people on the left and the right who were confident that either Biden or uh, Trump would walk away with a decisive victory. And very early on in the night, it became clear that that was not going to be the uh, the outcome, you know, and when we realized that it was going to be tight as most pundits have, uh, you know, kind of called for continually over the last few weeks to kind of get the public ready for that, um, that result. It became obvious that this was going to come down to the margins and that this was going to take a really long time. And the reason why it took as long as it did is because of the incredible turnout in mail-in b- voting casting. And then we can kind of dive into specific cases around the states, but it's both, um, GOP and Democratic uh, lawsuits prior to the election actually held up this vote count in individual ways, which is very interesting. So um, there's there's a lot of confusion because you're kind of luckily, you know, only six states or so came down to um, came down as battleground states on election night. But it gets confusing because all six of those states really do have a different individual laws when it comes to mail-in voting, when ballots could begin to be counted, what is valid versus what is not valid. And uh, that's where all that, that holdup came from. Well, and the fact that all of these counties and states um, have different voting regulations, different voting laws and everything else. That's not a negative, right? That's a positive. Yeah, I think so. At at the same time, I would like to see a lot more of our election process be centralized because I think it would have the potential for greater security, better, better voter access and voter uh, equitable voter access. Sorry. But at the same right, it it is good to have it decentralized to 50 states because all states, you know, do work in unison as the union. So we have to allow the different states to carry out the elections that they choose, as outlined in the Constitution, whether that's the best system, you know, 250 years after um, our country's founding. That's up for debate, but it definitely does have positives in terms of having states hold their liberty. Well, I saw an interesting commentation uh, or commentary, sorry, commentation. I don't know what that means. Uh, commentary, um, I guess it was yesterday. And mm-hmm. um, what it was, they were talking about the security of the election because there's been numerous allegations about fraud and yep. different things happening. And this the security expert came on and he was a uh, election security analyst. And he came on and he said the the strength of having individual states and counties providing their own results and everything else was actually what made our election so hard to fraudulate because yeah. everything yeah. is individualized. Everything is, is down to the county and each county is responsible for their own thing. He goes, if you have a centralized voting system, it is much easier to have a impact, a 
a fraudulent impact on the overall election because you have one one focus. And if you want to fraudulate our election now, you have mold. I mean, counties and counties and counties that you have to go and fraudulate them at the county level, at the local level. Exactly. So, and that's why we don't see any widespread voter fraud. I think it might have been the same article, but they said they're like, you know, this is so difficult to do that it's honestly easier to just win the election than actually do some level of voter fraud that would that you'd be able to get away with. So let's talk about the fraud, because obviously um, Trump has been touting fraud since before the election. And he has been really setting the scene for this particular moment. Yes. Um, so he has alleged several different um, moments of fraud or, or examples of fraud, but he has not produced any actual evidence that I am aware of. Are, yes, you, are you aware of anything Exactly. Yet? Um, There was evidence produced in a handful of these lawsuits. One of them was uh, a single testimony of a poll watcher who was um, a a GOP poll watcher who said that she did not have the access to uh, view the count in Michigan. Um, That was dismissed because it was proven to be factually incorrect. Um, Then there was a video going around of what appeared to be poll workers filling in um, ballots in Arizona and that that created an outcry. But in reality, what the Arizona law outlines is if a ballot is mismarked, um, they actually have a Democrat and a Republican uh, poll worker sitting across from each other in the table. And when they get a ballot that wouldn't, will not read correctly because it was not filled out properly, they both look at the ballot. They decide and make a determination together if, you know, about what the, the person, intent. Exactly. And if they agree, then they will fill out a new ballot and cast that ballot. Now, if they disagree, then it goes into a secondary claims where they have to actually track down the individual. And that's kind of where it expands. But so far, the only evidence that's almost no evidence has been presented to the courts and any evidence floating around online is severely missing context for what is actually taking place in these video clips. So as of now, yes, no, um, no widespread voter fraud, as uh, as okay. many people have noticed. It's just it's very it's very difficult to do and get away with. OK, well, let me ask you this one, because I have talked to two different um, Republican supporters and they both brought up the same exact example of voter fraud. So let me get your take yeah. on this one. They go to bed election night. They go to bed or the day after election. They go to bed. They wake up the next morning. And I don't remember what county it is or anything else, but they wake up the next morning and all of a sudden there's 23,000 votes logged. And this is after they everybody has supposedly shut everything down and gone to bed. They there was 23,000 votes logged for Biden and zero for Trump. Are you familiar with this one? Yes. And I actually am very familiar with that specifically. Um. There's a lot of claims that uh, in both Michigan and Wisconsin, it kind of depends on where, um, you know, where the theory is stemming from. Biden got 100 percent of the vote in this big overnight dump and somehow Trump got absolutely zero. Um, I think it was Antrim County, Michigan. That was one of them that uh, they announced suspicious like recounts after uh 
Democrats won in a previous uh, Republican county that seemed to be like kind of sketchy. So that was one of the bigger ones. And honestly, Mm -hmm. as they've started to um, shake out, um, Trump's obviously been very, very vocal about it. And kind of just looking into the first thing is um, a lot of the stations reported those in real time and they explained that they were kind of odd. Um, The there was uh, from Decision Desk on Twitter. They released a statement. I know very quickly out of the uh, out of the county in question, saying that there was a clerical error in Michigan, which of course is upsetting. But uh, there was just an extra zero typed in because uh, it was reported instead of fifteen thousand three hundred seventy one votes, they pushed him to one hundred fifty three thousand seven hundred ten votes. So with that extra zero typed in for Biden, the margins in that very small county would appear as 100% because it was less than 1%. So once that was corrected properly, then the vote total, um, the votes total, the vote total was um, always correct for Trump. But once it was corrected for Biden, then the percentage of the vote in that county was then displaying correctly. Um, Okay. So that was one big issue that a lot of people got behind. And obviously that is, that's jarring, you know, and these kind of things do need to be um, corrected quickly. But in my feelings, they did. They jumped on that. They jumped on it quick. You know, clerical errors do happen. I'm happy that people were watching and that they were able to kind of jump on top of that and make things um, kind of work out a little bit better. Then um, there's that it's the meme going around on Facebook that there is this it's kind of the red and the blue streaks upwards and then the blue streak bumps up and jumps up. And that's kind of what they're talking about that happened in Milwaukee and Wisconsin specifically. And um, it's not true that he received 100% of the votes in any of those Wisconsin dumps because I was actually up on election night. I didn't want to go to sleep until I saw the latest dump from Milwaukee County. And unfortunately what happens is the mail-in margin was so large for Milwaukee County that he did, he jumped significantly. And the graph does look a little comical because it's almost a, perfect um vertical escalation in the growth of in the growth of votes but that is does not mean trump received zero votes it just means he was heavily outweighed in the margins in mail-in voting in a city like milwaukee which is highly democratic county it's not it's not unsuspected i mean by the time philadelphia has done their count it looks like biden will be favored in mail-in ballots nine to one there yeah so let, let's talk about that. Why do you feel like, and obviously we're in the middle of a global pandemic and the one thing that hasn't really been discussed in the last couple of days on any of these networks is the implication of coronavirus. I, we are, I think we're averaging what, 140,000 cases a day? Exactly. They're saying it will not be surprising if the totals are around 200,000 by 200, Thanksgiving. 000. Yeah, so... Obviously, the, the, the mail-in ballot is important this year because of the global pandemic situation. But mm-hmm. with that in mind, why do you think – I have an opinion on it, but I want to hear yours first before yeah. I put my opinion out on it. Uh, why do you think the mail-in ballot played such a significant role in this? Because it, that's exactly what it came down to was the mail-in ballots. Why did it play such a significant role Uh, when it hadn't played such a role in the past? There are, you know, there's a lot of theories. And honestly, in my book, it comes down to um, 
the Trump administration, they had they kind of knew the outlook was grim. I mean, I think we need to do our a very specific episode on the polling errors alone, so we don't need to dive into yeah. that. But um, yeah, on this episode at least. But they, I would thought, hate to be a pollster right now. Oh yeah, they are. There's a lot of empty bottles, whatever room they're all um, <laughs> they're all in right now. Their profession needs to take a long, hard look at itself. Um, yeah. But the uh, the whole idea of mail-in ballots being fraudulent or having a higher possibility for fraud was a message that this campaign very specifically put out very early on in this race. They wanted everybody to they wanted their people to come out and vote in person. And, you know, there's a lot of debate on why they did that. Personally, I think it was they kind of saw what their what a possible path to the White House might be through litigation. And they wanted to kind of get early on in discrediting some of these mail in ballots since they knew they would slant Democratic. But Mm -hmm. honestly, at this point, I'm starting to question if they might have shot themselves in the foot by doing this. Because such a large, you know, no Republicans are a very small percentage comparatively when you look at the margins voted by mail-in votes. So outside of states like Arizona, which send mail-in ballots to everybody. But the the concept of that is now we're seeing all of these dumps go to Biden late in the game. And you got to ask yourself, what if Donald Trump did promote mail-in voting as a safe alternative? Would more yeah. Republicans have felt comfortable? You know, were people planning to vote on Election Day who then saw the spikes in coronavirus go up and said, you know what, forget about it. This isn't even worth worth it. We don't know. There's also the people who planned on voting on Election Day, but for whatever reason, um, didn't, you know, weren't able to go, had a personal emergency, decided against it, maybe just forgot. <laughs> you know, as, yeah. as ridiculous as that sounds, you might just get called into work or something. So, it, it, it surprises me that he would not only want to delegitimize kind of the early voting process, but the mail-in voting process, since, I mean, as a democratic institution, it's worked, it's worked fine. And it, he very well could have gotten higher margins if he did encourage his voters to do that. Yeah, it's, you, you stole my thunder. That was, that was going to be my, my <laughs> answer, was the, uh, the Republicans, uh, you know, Trump, really pushed the and he has been pushing um the carelessness of the the situation with with the global pandemic uh meaning the humongous rallies and uh with the lack of safety precautions and everything else there so it doesn't surprise me that he did not promote safe voting um and that he relied on the red wave that typically shows up for in-person voting yep. stronger than the Democratic uh, or the Democrat uh, voting pattern. And I think it, number one, this pandemic kind of plays into the Democrats' stronghold, which is um, you don't have to show up as as much as you have to mail in your, your ballot. Um, yep. And uh, you can vote early, you can vote strong. Um, you can still do your thing without really having to disrupt any type of daily uh, routine that you may have, or uh, you can do it when you're sitting there at night watching TV or something. You're like, "Ah, I need to vote, grab your ballot, fill it out, put it in an envelope, send it off. Uh, I mean, it made voting stronger um, 
because it made voting easier this year for a lot of places that haven't had mail-in voting in the past. Now, you have have places like uh, Colorado um, where mail-in voting is not anything new. But if there's one thing you can look at when you're looking at the numbers is, I mean, Biden ended up with over 74 million votes, right? Most ever. At this point. Mm-hmm. And so why is that? It's because it should be noted, too, that Donald Trump, with his tally of what will probably be around 71 and Biden's will probably be around 75, 76. Uh, he, he is the most second most voted for candidate in presidential history. Well, now. Um, and, and I was just, so just looking shows. at this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to kind of make your, your point there, uh, I just happened to while we were were talking a second ago. Um, or while you were explaining something, I looked at Donald Trump's latest tweets. And two hours ago, he tweeted um, 71 million legal votes, the most ever for a sitting president. Yep, so, exactly. And, and then right below that, in all caps, he puts the observ- observers were not allowed into the counting rooms. I won the election, got 71 percent or 71 million legal votes. Bad things happened, which our observers were not allowed to see. Never happened before. Millions of mail-in ballots were sent to people who never even asked for them. Yeah. So, it's, so what it's, is it's what do you think about that? <laughs> um, I I mean, just honestly, from and a like and as as much as I am, you know, obviously I it's been public knowledge that I voted for Joe Biden and I'm pleased with the outcome, just from an objective and kind of sane outlook. Um it is, you know, I've looked through all of the lawsuits. Uh, none of them seem to be carrying any weight, um, even to the point where there's one that has a chance to get to the Supreme Court. It's specifically involving Pennsylvania's mail-in ballot margins, and it was actually already filed by a, um, a special interest group that was challenged. It tried to get to the Supreme Court twice before the election. They, they decided against hearing it. And they had an appeal in and the Trump campaign is now trying to join as a uh, as a party in that lawsuit. So that very well could be heard by the by the Supreme Court. But even if that does rule in Trump's favor, which is very unlikely, because basically if it were to rule in Trump's favor, it would be saying that Pennsylvanians who followed the law, which was at that time and still is, if your ballot is postmarked by 8 p.m. Election Day, it can arrive at the counting centers up till Friday at 5 p.m. And if that's the case, it can be counted. Um, they would actually throw out all the votes that did arrive between Election Day and um, yesterday at 5, which is Friday. But now the margin is so high and those ballots haven't even been counted. Biden's margin is now higher than the total ballots that have come in from Tuesday to Friday. So even if Something happened like all of them, 100 percent of them swung in Trump's favor. Um, it's still too much. There, there's actually yeah. no legal path forward either. And, um, you know, it, rumors just talk within the Trump administration is it, it's solemn. They, they know the reality of this. And I think they're trying their best to finagle situations. I think they will try to hold this up legally in court for as long as possible. But um yeah. What I'm seeing, too, with the conflicting messages of, oh, let's celebrate, we got this, to all caps, rant, is uh, is some desperation. I, I wouldn't want to 
would definitely rather be celebrating in the Biden camp than uh, working to try to undo the uh, the results of a Democratic election on the Trump camp. But uh, it yeah. seems it seems like it's going to get it, there's not a resolution, legal resolution in sight. Um, whether the American people are going to care about that or listen to it is a whole different story. Yeah, I would not. I, I, Mark Meadows might be um, m- maybe not excited or, or glad that he got COVID. Uh, this is going to come out wrong no matter how I say it. But the best thing <laughs> for, for uh, Meadows right now is that he's quarantined and away from the whole situation. <laughs> exactly. He doesn't have to deal with it. I He might have given himself COVID on Monday night to, <laughs> to just say, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hide for two weeks. Yeah. Sorry, boss. Um, yeah. Okay. So th- that kind of addresses the whole mail-in, the fraud and, and all that stuff. And And I know that no matter what we say, um, the Trump supporters are, are still going to feel like they were injusticed. Do you feel like there was any injustice in this election? No, no, I don't. And I, I think, um, honestly, uh, you know, to be blunt and maybe too out of the middle, I, I think we're still dealing with voter suppression at mass levels. I, I think this was this election was a stress test for our democracy, and I think it passed. Um, it looked, I think, a lot of people had indigestion on election night, worrying that it might, you know, not work out and things might um, get, you know, chaotic. But you know, as we've all stayed calm and stayed patient, and uh, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, I, I have to give bipartisan credit there, have called for that calm, um, especially before Biden was declared president-elect, but. Um, it seems that while we've made massive progress, we can still do more. You know, there's still attempts at closing polling locations. There's still very confusing registration processes. And I think just there's public education that's lacking, you know, people and the public education that's lacking is not only making it harder to vote, but it's giving way to conspiracy theories. Now that we're seeing people who don't understand what a provisional ballot is or the fact that, you know, even in states with voter ID laws, you don't need a voter ID to vote in Texas. You don't need a photo ID to vote, even though we have photo ID laws. You just need to show residency and verify your identity and you're good to go. So there's ways of going around that. And uh, I think we just need to do a better job educating the public on what our processes look like and i think over time start to streamline them and make them easier but in terms of voter fraud no they're just it's just it's too hard to do and that's what i've always kind of felt that's what all of the legal experts have always said and i think that is once again what we're seeing in this election is it's it's close and america's still very divided but that that doesn't necessarily mean um anything. And I think Chuck Todd on NBC summed it up best, where if you're really confused on why the results flipped like they did from 2016, if you are a Trump supporter. Um, So Gary Johnson ran in 2016. And Gary picked up a a large portion of the vote in a lot of these states and counties, up to 5%. Um, Joe Jorgensen, who was a libertarian candidate in 2020, failed um, to create the same excitement that Johnson did. And uh, right. she ended up the majority of the Johnson vote ended up going to Biden because I think there was a lot of people who voted for third party because they weren't happy with either candidate in 2016 who said, OK, I'm not, you know, 
I'm not thrilled with Biden, but I certainly that's that's a more sane choice. So if you look at the margins of Biden just picking up Johnson's 2016 vote, it puts us almost exactly where we are right now. You know, we forget that the 2016 election was 40,000 votes in a lot of states. It was very small margins. And it just seems like the scales tipped in Biden's favor this time. If it was if it was a blowout or if there was any fraud, then my biggest question of the Democrats would be, wh- why'd you make it so close and why didn't you retake the Senate? Well, and, and that brings up one of the questions I was going to ask next, and we're getting kind of close to the, the end here, but I, I wanted to ask a couple more questions real quick. Yeah. When we look at why Biden won, um, what what role do you think Kamala Harris played in why Joe Biden won? I think she played a, a very small but very specific and important part is Biden was under tremendous um, pressure from the black community specifically. Um, I forget the, the gentleman's name, um, Senator from North Carolina or Congressman from North Carolina. Uh, is it Jim Clyburn? Do, is, does that sound correct? Yes. I, I don't want to. Yeah. James. So, James. James. Thank you. Um, he, uh, you know, he endorsed Biden after the Super Tuesday win and then went on to say um, he might be South Carolina, too. I, I, I forget the specifics on him, but yeah. he was speaking um, today and uh, not today, but when he spoke and endorsed Biden, he said he wanted to see a black female as his running mate. And Biden made the declaration at that point that he would put a, a black woman on the Supreme Court. Obviously, that was long before Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. And that opportunity um, seems to have passed for now. So it was uh, he was under tremendous pressure to do that because, uh, you know, Congressman Clyburn or Senator Clyburn, I should really just look that up since I'm going to continually be referring to him. <laughs> but um, he is a. Uh, Jim Clyburn, he's a con. James. So. Is it Jim? It's Jim. Well, I think James and Jim. Oh, okay. I think it's James Clyburn, but he goes by Jim. Regardless. Okay. I, have a, knowledge... I have a buddy that does that. His name is Jim, uh, James, and he goes by Jim. Okay. So well, I, I could see that happening, too. Yes. And he is uh, South Carolina, right? <laughs> yep. Yes. So yep. now that we have those facts straight. Um, you know, he's a huge uh, member of kind of leading the social justice reform and being uh, outspoken. He, he's been around in Congress for decades and is a very important member in the black community. And him putting that onus on Biden and the creation, you know, the ongoing events with social justice struggles between Black Lives Matters, you know, extrajudicial police killings and ongoing legislation around all of those cases created this climate where Biden really needed to secure the African-American vote um, if he wanted to stand a chance in this election. And I think oh. there was there was no hiding it. If he picked somebody who if he picked he had already decided he would pick a woman in one of the uh, primary debates. But if he went against uh, Clyburn's wishes, I think that would have been a massive blowback. So while I think in the large scheme of things, I don't think it was a a decision for a lot of voters. I think he would have netted the majority of voters he would have or very close to if he didn't um, pick Kamala as his running mate. But I think the excitement of that choice helped his ground game significantly. I think it helped his fundraising. I think it helped his mobilizations. You know, we're seeing states that have never flipped red in decades, um, like Georgia starting to, I'm sorry, flip blue in decades. Yeah, yeah, flip blue in Georgia because of the voter turnout in Atlanta. 
and yeah. that's black voters. I, I feel like Kamala brought, I, I think she helped. And, and this is, is really a conversation that I want to have in another episode. I'd, I'd really like to do an episode just about Kamala um, yeah. because I think there's a lot of unknown about her. Um, and I, I think she brought uh, a couple of elements to the table that Joe just didn't quite have. She's, in my opinion, she's a little bit um, more aggressive, a little bit sharper. Yes. She's willing to get her nose in, in the fight. Um, and uh, she also is youthful and she has energy. I, I, one of the, the images that always stands out in my mind when I think about Kamala is her basically running down those stairs off of the, the plane in, in her sneakers that got so much, um, so much uh, talk. But one of the things that my wife said is, um, you know, she's just, she's cool. She's more down to earth. And I think that kind of helped some female votes. Um, and I think that, yeah. uh, that, that kind of put at ease some of the, um, age, uh, problems that, that Biden was facing. Um, because when you put somebody youthful and energetic and vibrant into the conversation, it's automatically going to bring that side up, you know, absolutely. absolutely. You didn't have that on the Republican side. It, it was kind of flip-flopped. Um, Trump is all of your energy. Uh, Pence yes. is very monotone, very um, politician-ish, um, mm -hmm. you know, very, very nice white starched shirt with a, nice red or blue tie and a blue suit. I mean, he is what you think of when you think of a politician, um, you know, hair that does not move no matter how windy it is out there. Um, how many flies are on it? <laughs> how many flies are on it? I mean, his hair was so, so well protected that he couldn't even tell there was a fly on it. Um, exactly. <laughs> anyways, but my, my point being uh, Kamala brought the energy that Joe could not bring. I agree. And I agree. And I, I don't think I will say I don't think she's going to end up as president in a any circumstances outside of her being legally elected one. Um, right. I'm not too worried about Joe's age, whether he runs for a second term is the million dollar question. But I really don't see this, him doing it. I, I just mm -hmm. don't. But, um, you know, and, we have four, okay. four years to worry. <laughs> so one more question um, before we wrap this up, because you and I like to try and keep it at a certain time frame. Um, what won this particular election for Joe Biden? Because he made some pretty substantial state flips um, that Arizona hadn't been flipped in 20, I think it's 26 years. Jo uh, Georgia hadn't been flipped in, I think it was 28 years. Um, what was it that you think flipped those states for Joe? And what, here, what won is, the, the election for Joe? And here is the paradox that the Democratic Party is facing, too. And, and my answer, okay, go, is, go um, is yes, Joe Biden, uh, is president elect, he, he will be the president for the next four years, um, at least, but. That is not because of a major success on the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party won this election for one reason and one reason only, and that was the disgust and rebuke of Trumpism 
was just great enough to mobilize new voters. The youth turnout was, you know, record numbers. People turned out in record numbers to vote against Trump. People did not vote in record numbers for Biden. Biden is uh, a return to normalcy, but he will fail to attract the same voting pool and the same enthusiasm he has and Democrats will moving forward into the midterms and the next presidential election unless they can figure out their major, major issue with not appealing to middle class working Americans. So that is my take on it. The one thing that uh, helped Biden win this election was Trump. Without Trump, I'm not sure if we would be um, seeing a Democratic president as the president elect this cycle. Yeah, no, I'm I agree with you. I take a similar approach, but but a little different reasoning behind it. Um, I had a conversation, you know, as far as my family goes, I'm the only one that that stepped outside of the the Republican Party uh, this this particular cycle. Mm-hmm. And, and I got a little bit of kind of kickback on on that from the, the family and, and everything else. Now, but here's here's my point to that is you are either a Trump Republican or you're a Democrat. That's really all it came down to. And for me, yes. the hard part for me, and if you remember when we first started this podcast, I said I was undecided. And, yep. and the reason that I said I was undecided was I don't disagree with the values of the the party in which I grew up with. Okay. I yep. don't disagree with some of the policies that Trump got accomplished and, and what he was trying to do. Now, I do disagree with the character of the current president of the United States. And for me, and I think for a lot of other people, that was a hurdle I could not get over. And, yes. um, you know, I've been told, well, you're supposed to vote based off a of policy, not not somebody's the way they talk or the way they act or anything else. Vote for the policy. And my thing is, you know, if I vote for the policy, then I'm encouraging this behavior and this action that is dividing, in my opinion, the rest of America yeah. right now. And I can't and I stand love that. By. And it's like, it's the almost up to a certain point. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, if it was just based off a of policy, then yeah, I would have stuck with a little bit more of a conservative approach. I don't consider myself a Democrat. I don't consider, I, some people have, have uh, applied or implied that I'm a moderate and uh, I am not, uh, I don't consider myself that I might be, and I'm just disillusioned mm-hmm. with myself, but um, I consider myself more of a disenfranchised Republican. And yeah. because I can't stand by trying to raise a, a young son that is in a very impressionable stage in his life. And I can't stand by and watch what's happening without really going. Now, hey, listen, you, you, this is all about character and you need to not talk to people like he's talking to people. You need to not say ugly things like that. You don't need to be mm-hmm. uh, implying these types of things. And, you know, you and I kind of texted back and forth earlier today. And um, I don't know if, if very many people have seen it, but Van Jones um, was asked about his thoughts on, on Joe Biden winning uh, during the coverage. 
And it was a very powerful and emotional moment because Van Jones mm-hmm. kind of broke down. But what he was talking about was the same thing that I was feeling. And I even, I went and pulled my son. He was playing a video game. I went and pulled him off the video game and said, you need to listen to this man talk. And Van Jones was talking about the the issue that he believed was evident in this election was character matters. And Joe Biden won because of his character, because of his belief that we can be reunited as a country and and his belief that Mm -hmm. um, it's about helping uh, each other. And, and this is a man of, of public service for over 40 years. And so, and that really ironically engaged my son and my wife and I into a conversation about character and about holding mm-hmm. yourself a, a, accordingly and, and those types of things. And I know he's eight and half of what we said probably went in one ear and out the other, but the biggest thing was he was really caught off guard with how emotional Van was about this particular subject. And it really highlighted for me, kind of put into to words for me, what I'd been thinking is, is this was about character. And, and there was a lot of Republicans that made that same decision. I'm not the only one that made that decision. And I think that that, for, for a lot of people was the turning point for for this election yes i agree and yeah like you said we kind of we agreed on the same same ideas and how we got there was differently that's interesting yeah so Mm -hmm. all right well uh we are just a little bit past our time frame but uh we'll go ahead and wrap it up um we are definitely going to be doing some more now that you and i are both out of the the woods with the our illnesses. Um, but, uh, we will get back with you guys and hopefully we will touch on, uh, Kamala Harris. And then I really want to dive down into the Senate and the house and, and what those were, uh, what those showed us during this, this election cycle. So, um, regardless if you are on the left or the right, it is all, it is time for us to all come, uh, and lean into the middle. And we look forward to exploring that common ground with you next time. Absolutely. We'll and to you. don't forget to Whoops. like us and share on whatever uh, platform you are listening to your podcast.